And he was like, fuck, we're all fucked. And he's like, have you got your CVs, boys? And I was like, what? Uh, what do you mean? He's like, because you're going to need them in the fucking morning when we all get fucking fired. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to I Might Be Wrong, a podcast hosted by myself, Rich Newnham, and my co-host, Henry Salmon. Welcome to another episode of I Might Be Wrong. I'm Rich Newnham, and as always, I am joined by Henry Salmon. Hello. How are you doing, sir? I'm not too bad. I'm not too bad. Life's good. I'm excited about talking about the artist that you have chosen this week yeah it's, still it's still not got anything better to do <laughs> no nothing apart from tinker with my many mountain bikes which are um, the only way of keeping sane at the moment for me i'm having getting a... back into learning german having dropped that while i was uh, back at work so ah, now yeah indeed <laughs> <laughs> i mean it, i've lost it all but i'm hoping that i'll be able to pick it up reasonably quickly again once i uh, once i get back into it Awesome. The plan is to try and do an hour or so a day of that and, and really get into it. Because my brother lives in Germany, obviously, so him and his family are out there, and it, it'd be nice to actually be able to speak some German when I'm there. Yeah, you need something to um, pass the time when we can't go to pubs and do things like go out. <laughs> can't just drink our, drink our way into oblivion. <laughs> Forget all our woes. Well, we can. We can. We can. <laughs> just can't do it together. Exactly. Yeah, not good. Well, how about you... Um, alleviate some of the boredom with our album this week who have you got for us so i've got polly jean harvey aka pj harvey uh who i absolutely adore i think she's a wonderful wonderful artist with a huge musical range uh and a lot of really interesting stuff that she's done over the years the album i'm picking in particular for this one is stories from the city stories from the sea which is the first one of hers that i really got into and i absolutely love it as an album it's still my favorite of hers right so you're gonna to have to help me out here because pj harvey is my pavement actually pavement are also my pavement if, to explain <laughs> p- pavement are a band who everything about them tells me i should love them and pj harvey is the same the style of music i should like the way that she writes her music the the differences in her back catalog everything about it says I should think she's one of the best artists I've ever come across. And I just, I can't get into her. Help me out. What am I doing? I, I know how you feel. And I have bands like that. Hilariously, Pavement are one of my bands like that. <laughs> so Pavement are one of these bands that every indie artist from the 90s and thousands, as part of their influences, will always say Pavement. They're yeah. always in there as, as a big influence. And so I was like, I need to I need to listen to more pavement. I need to really get into them. And so they played a gig at the Brixton Academy while I was living in London, while Neil was still living in London. And Neil was like, you're going to come and see pavement with you. I was like, I don't really like pavement. He's like, what are you talking about? You idiot. You really should. You should be into pavement. So I was like, okay, I will come with you and I will spend, I think it was like a couple of months away. I was like, right, I'll really put time and effort into getting to know pavement and I listened to a bunch of their stuff, including the albums that everyone says are their classic albums. I just wasn't feeling it. It's like, maybe I need to see them live. Maybe that'll be the trigger. And I got 45 minutes into the gig and left because I was bored. So Stories from the Sea, Stories from the Sea. It's PJ Helvey's album from, what, 2000, I think, sometime around then? It came out in 2000, and it was sort of perfectly timed for me because 
it was in that post OK computer period where I was really getting into that style of music. And and there's a, a fair bit of crossover. We'll come on to that when we talk about the album itself. Uh, but PJ Harvey had been going since the early 90s. She actually was born in Dorset, grew up in southwest England, was in a band that was part of the Bristol music scene early on. Uh, and then she moved up to London once she was recording and performing under PJ Harvey as a name. And she that was actually a band to start with. There were three of them uh, yeah. until she decided to go fully solo. Um, it's it's amazing. She's been around since the early 90s, which means that I shouldn't be surprised that she's 50, but I totally am. <laughs> yeah. She's one of those timeless elfin types that just seem to have been around forever but you assume they'll be around forever as well yeah well she's if you look at the people that she's influenced Kurt Cobain said that he he got into her music and he was what early mid 90s the time when she was releasing her first couple of albums particularly rid of me which is her 93 effort it's all very much in that grunge era and rid of me is very much a female vocaled grunge effort and when you think about the bands that are really big in that grunge era they're almost entirely that west coast seattle based scene in the states and i think personally she's someone who was really influential in that grunge scene but doesn't get credited with that in the mainstream which seems entirely unfair if i was to put all of those songs on play or all the albums of hers and play through all of them rid of me would be the album that just as an earworm would catch my ear because of the style it's a style which i'm so used to i guess because of my i guess my grungy background that sonically that's where i'm most comfortable and i'm amazed that you weren't into that because as you say musically it sounds right vocally she's got an incredible vocal range in terms of low to high but also in terms yeah. of raw to refined she can do everything across that spectrum it's weird isn't it i think i think i spent all my time looking across the atlantic and didn't realize that there was someone who'd kind of passed through yeovil college and <laughs> gone up to london <laughs> who was producing music that was just as good as that absolutely you- so she's been not prolific i'd say but she's certainly been consistent in terms of releasing albums from early 90s through to I think 2016 2015 was her last effort and her best known from those 11 albums are Rid of Me which is probably the peak of her grunge era Stories from the City is the peak of her indie alternative rock era Uh Aha is just I don't know that it's an easy album to get into, but there's some really fascinating stuff in there. It doesn't feel like it feels almost like a collection of ideas that she was having at the time rather than necessarily a formative album with a single direction. And then you get into White Chalk, which is I think it was very underrated. So White Chalk is more her voice and one or two instruments showcasing so she talks about it as being an album that she was she was really trying to focus in on her wordsmithing and songwriting lyrical songwriting rather than necessarily creating these big sounds that she'd had on stories but i think that a lot of people who had heard a lot of her grungy stuff and her rocky stuff were like what are you doing like this isn't what we want and so there was a bit of a backlash and and it now feels like an album that 
if you took it as an album and listened to it and didn't know it was her, I think a lot of people would really like it. But the expectations of a PJ Harvey album weighed quite heavily on it, if that makes sense. Yeah. And then you've got Let England Shake, which was not her last album, but the last album that I really enjoyed from her, which is commentary on war and both modern and World War One warfare. It got quite well known, I guess, because it, it won the Mercury, didn't it? It's her second Mercury Music Prize, which yeah. we'll come up to in a minute. Um, <laughs> yes. But yeah, it, I, I like that album in that it's it's very inventive. It's a hard listen. It is a hard listen, but it's yeah. a worthwhile listen. I, I love it, but I have to be in the right mood for it. But yeah, talking about PJ herself. So she's a really interesting person. She's she's She wouldn't have been called this at the time because I don't know that this was necessarily a term that people were really thinking of at the time, but she's quite gender fluid. So she talks about not really thinking of herself as female half the time. She apparently called herself Paul and learned to pee standing up as a kid. Right. So she has she has a more broad world viewpoint than necessarily your classic 90s female rock artist who would just be angry about being pigeonholed as female in the rock scene, which is what happened when you're in the 90s, thinking about people like Kinnicky and, and bands like that. Hang on, Kinnicky is Lauren Laverne, isn't it? It is Lauren Laverne, yes. Because I was listening to I was listening to bands like Skunk and Nancy, where you've got someone like mm-hmm. Skin who's just belting out some really angry rock. And I don't know whether PJ Harvey's slightly more subtle than that. Well, she is more subtle than, than, than Skunk and Nancy. Um, <laughs> Doesn't but, get but less subtle than Skunk and Nancy, I don't no. think. And I love I love that album in particular. Weak as I am and all that. Yeah, but there was definitely I think the the nineties well the eighties and nineties both offered up some incredible female front women and I've never seen PJ Harvey live and we'll come on to this later as well but when you see some of the real kind of headline front women getting pictured on the front of magazines PJ Harvey isn't one of them she's not the kind of fuck you a lister I'm at the front of a supergroup and I'm I'm the best she doesn't appear like that I think she's very much one of these people that feels like she's never she hasn't perfected her craft and i think the best musicians that continue to evolve as artists are those types where they always want to improve themselves they always want to better themselves they never really think that they are all that great themselves they acknowledge that other people seem to like their stuff but there's less of an arrogance and an egotism around their fame they're much more focused on their music and doing really great music. And she's never been one for seeking out fame. She's quite famously quiet and likes to go and live back in the countryside and keep herself to herself a lot of the time. Yeah. How did you find the album? When did you come across it? Was it at, at, at what school or? Well, yeah. So the album is not how I discovered her. How I discovered her was through a perfect day, Elise, which is an unbelievable song and is on the previous album so you've got this grunge persona in the early 90s you've got more of a sensual mystical persona in the second two albums but perfect day Elise almost hits edges of the grunge edges of that and then edges of what she was going on to with mm. stories and so it's a really interesting intersection as a piece of music there's ethereal sections to it you get a lot of the elegant end of her vocal range. Yeah. But there's also also got these other like raw edges at times to it as well. And it is, I mean, the chorus in that is just unbelievable. It's so good. It's this 
big epic soaring chorus i love it so yeah that's where i discovered her but she was one of these artists and i did this a lot in the mid to late 90s where if i heard something on the radio but i only heard one track and then i didn't hear more of that person's stuff i wouldn't necessarily buy an album and then i'd sort of lose track of them yep and then she got nominated for the Mercury Music Prize. And I was hearing a lot of her music on XFM. And I was just like, okay, I got, got to go and listen to this album. And the fact that Tom York guests on two of the tracks on there certainly helped with that. And there's, it's great because there's kind of a musical crossover between her and Tom York. It's almost a meeting of genius <laughs> minds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where both of them have worked together on some of this album and then taken musical approaches and sounds into their work. I, I mean, this is the reason why I find it incredible that you've never really got into that album, because there's there's chunks of it that just have Radiohead-ish sound to it that's obviously a bit of a Tom York influence on those sessions. Yeah, a track like You Said Something is almost... It's, it's almost very influenced by the Benz, but if Tom York wrote it, it would be a little bit too, it wouldn't work as a Tom York track, but it sounds like it's almost like she's listened to Radiohead and gone, I want to do what they're doing in the bends with that. But then she moves from that into Kamikaze, which is the following track. And it's like, Oh God, it's completely different. And that's the thing is I think there's, there's like all the best artists, they work out things that they musically like from other influences that work with their music, but they don't necessarily just try and copy something else. And you absolutely couldn't accuse her of just copying Radiohead style. It's taking aspects and elements of those things and working them into her music. And and she and Tom York have both talked about how much they respect each other. And and there's, there's absolutely stuff that goes the other way. I watched a couple of interviews with her or read somewhere that basically said, um tom york uses a lot of eastern elements of how he sings so some of the notes that he's hitting and the the direction that he'll take a a vocal in through the songs has this kind of eastern asian influence and she picked up on that from working with him and then started to bring in some of those elements into her own music wow which is pretty cool but she's also worked i mean she worked with joshua homie on his desert sessions where he, he would just gather a bunch of musicians that he really likes together and <laughs> and go and sit in the desert for a couple of weeks together and just work on stuff and create music. And I don't know if you've ever listened to those, but they're worth a listen. This is Mr. Queens of the Stone Age, right? Yes, yes. Yep. Lead singer of Queens of the Stone Age. Yep. Yeah. So I really, I really like the Desert Sessions. I hadn't listened to the one that she was on for a while, but I went back and listened to it yesterday and it's really good it's really raw and rough around the edges is the wrong way of saying it but it's not heavily produced it's just clearly a product of a very creative music making session yeah coming back to stories i think the reason why it appealed is it's definitely her most optimistic album certainly at that point the most optimistic it's the most musically lush album it's not overproduced it's just got a lot of complexity to it and that's something that as anyone who's listened to this podcast will know appeals to me (laughs) yeah i i think you've absolutely nailed it with that it's it's got complexity but the production is is really quite straightforward you could so easily make a complete dog's dinner of this album if you took a producer who wanted to try and uh, just expand on all of the different ideas she's got and you could just turn this into a 
a complete shit show and she's not done that it is quite a clean album so whoever the producer was yeah he's he's done a great job on there yeah agreed do you know that it's her love letter to new york i've read that in reviews yeah yeah so she's obviously as a brit she'd spent time in new york she actually spent i think six months in new york while she was recording this album or prior to recording this album she's always loved the place i mean the the cover photo is her standing in the middle of a street in the middle of manhattan it's it's one of the really sad ironies of the whole album and the success that she had around it that she won the mercury music prize for this album and the day that that was announced and the ceremony was september the 11th 2001 oh shit and she was in washington on tour and apparently they were locked down obviously in a hotel and they they were literally able to see the pentagon from their hotel on fire wow i didn't know that wow i i love new york i've been there for a bit but to have a piece of art that you've created about your love for a city that you've just been told has been recognized and have that happen i didn't know that it's just it's brutal yeah. And I know I say brutal a lot on this podcast, but, <laughs> but I genuinely mean that here. It's 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 so sad and and just an incredibly awful way to to find out all that. And there's there was a quote from her literally on the day. Obviously, I'm absolutely shocked. This whole city is in shock. Myself and my band are involved in all that, and we can see the Pentagon from our window. It's hard to take in. And obviously, they were just just devastated by the whole thing. Yeah. Wow, that's um, that's something I didn't know. Yeah. So we should talk about the album itself and the music. So how does the album start? Yeah, actually, that's a good call. I wanted to talk about Big Exit is the name of the first track. The first time she hits the chorus on that, the hairs on the back of my neck go up. I absolutely love it. It's got these big guitars. Like I said, it's that late 90s, early 1000s sound that I absolutely love. The structure of the songwriting really shows itself here. It's got it's got a chorus that then swoops into this quieter section and then it rides these guitars into almost like a, a pause and then everything launches into the next verse. And it's so good. It just the dynamic of the music is so enthralling. And that is the starting point that kind of pulls you into the album. And you hear this thing, we talked about it being not overproduced. There are moments when her voice just cracks on that song yeah. that normally you'd be like, oh, that wasn't a great take. Let's record another version and make sure that everything sounds perfect. But she's obviously gone, no, I love I love that. I love the, the imperfections in there and has just allowed that to be on the album. Because obviously with any recording, you can keep recording until you get it right. And I like the fact that they've not done that here. Yeah, we don't do that with our stuff either. <laughs> I mean, I like taking out ums. That's about <laughs> it. And then later in the album, you've got A Place Called Home, which I really love. I like that that song a lot. It's got softer guitars. It's got accordion in there. And the accordion, along with the percussion design, it almost sounds quite REM-like, which yeah. obviously I like. She gets the melodies going there as well with the, with the accordion. It is... Um... Yeah, and this is the the stuff that puzzles me because I love all this stuff normally and I can't understand why the album just doesn't grab me as a whole. Maybe you just need to stick it on for like three hours. Yeah. Have it on a loop until you're like, oh my God, it's amazing. And suddenly it'll click. I, I don't know. I Well, I just read the, the Pitchfork review of the album, which mm-hmm. 
which is is about the only non-complimentary review is this the original pitchfork out, uh, review because they have a tendency with pitchfork to have revisionist history where they'll give they gave kid a a shit review ah, first pitchfork. time round and then did like a 20th anniversary review of it or a 10th anniversary review of it and gave it 10 yeah it's shameful they always pitchfork are fuckers <laughs> like that but one of the, the comments on that which is also reproduced on the wikipedia page of the album is that it says the sheen gets slicker and her music gets duller and i'm not sure whether that's right but there's something about her style which she's gone from out of the grunge world into this kind of quite beautiful music and and i can't work out whether there's just no no earworm or something i'm i don't know i'm lost i'm lost i'm completely stumped on this one i think a lot of the time particularly reviews that come out at the moment when the album hits the shops a lot of that has a tendency to be we want this album to be this thing because this is what we expect from this artist. We want, you know, this raw emotion and sexuality and all the things that we've seen from them before that we love and we want it again and we want it to be more. And and this doesn't do that. It takes yeah. her in a new musical direction. And I go back to Kid A where people were like, hang on a sec, this isn't OK Computer. This isn't the Benz. What the fuck are you doing? But actually, it's a great album. It's an evolution of someone's music and where they want to go and that's the thing for me is she wanted to write a more positive album she wanted to write something that was musically much more complex and she's hit she's absolutely hit out of the part with this album and i understand that people who don't like layered complex instruments all that kind of stuff because some people don't they want their music to be raw and loud and emotional and heart on the sleeve you're not getting that here but she's not trying to produce that here so you're looking for the wrong thing in this place go back and listen to earlier stuff if that's what you want yeah i I need to just i need to listen more i think that's the only thing i'm missing on this one right i do want to talk about a couple other tracks so ones that i love the horse hustle and the hustler's whore not just for the name (laughs) cracking title title it has i think this is one that you should listen to because it's got those echoey radiohead chiming guitars that you'll know really well from okay computer and and that is one that i think is probably an early track that sucked me in because of that sound that picks up interest in the back of your brain where you're like yeah i recognize this i like this it's sandwiched in between two tom york tracks as well or two tom york accompanied tracks right and I wasn't going to necessarily talk so much about the first of the Tom York tracks, but this mess we're in is so good. The vocals on that, his vocals, and then it's really fascinating to see an artist have someone guest, but rather than the guest be a secondary vocal, they've put the guest front and centre, and she's doing backup vocals on her own album. I can't think of another artist who could duet with tom york like that and make it sound so good I, I i think they're the kind of perfect vocal couple yeah you're right the way those vocals work together the way their voices wind around each other in that track is just just incredible i mean i put in my notes it's all about the vocal performances from them both and i i do genuinely wish they'd done more stuff together over the years because i they obviously love each other's stuff. Yeah. I don't know why they haven't worked together more, but it's that particular piece is evocative of almost a time and a place and a feeling. So there's this moment of this being in the middle of an out of control fling where there's so much attraction 
you can't help but you know you can't keep your hands off each other but you know it's got an end moment very very soon it's coming soon (laughs) you've got to make the most of it while it lasts yeah and there's this wistfulness about that of you know you're going to be gone tomorrow but let's just make the most of it while we can And and a lot of this album is about love she's clearly in love and happy for large chunks of this album not the whole thing but this is love is probably one of the best known tracks i think it was the lead single from the album it's just got great lyrics again so i can't believe that life's so complex when i just want to sit here and watch you undress is a great line yeah i don't know she this is love gets annoys me a little bit because she has been recorded as saying she doesn't like it when lyrics repeat so she wants to try and introduce interesting sets of lyrics but then the chorus she just repeats this is love over and over again and it's like come on pj stop it so that song annoys me okay i get where you're coming from on that (laughs) i'm gonna disagree because i think there's an element of almost disbelief around that lyric that allows for the repetition okay yeah but i i just like i like the verse lyrics more than i like the chorus lyrics so that one and want to chase you around the table (laughs) just these ideas and it's very visual and everyone can understand that right i mean i remember a certain person that we knew at bristol university saying if you don't want to tear each other's clothes off then what's the point (laughs) yeah yeah that's the thing it's 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 not just the visuals it's the it really grabs at the heart of that feeling of the early days of being in love with someone yeah maybe i should give that one a buy and i shouldn't just be so critical just of, <laughs> of one song and then so so following on from that so that's that's what two-thirds of the way through the album so we've got after that horses in my dreams what's your view on that so yeah i don't know that it's one of my favorite tracks it's more understated it's it's kind of got those slightly menacing guitars her vocal performance is is one of her not slick not elegant vocal performances but very deliberately so it does feel a little bit like a later track on the album tracks i think it's got some interesting lyrics but again not not a favorite of mine yeah i prefer the very end of the album you've got we float which is technically the last track because we're still in late 90s early thousands hidden track nonsense which is a beautifully delicate track and i i love we float it's just it's just wonderful i mean i don't really know what more to say about it than that but then you have this massive gap which i always forget is there and end up accidentally skipping the hidden track bloody hidden tracks (laughs) yeah which is called this wicked tongue which i love because you get these brilliantly aggressive guitars that kick in after this massive pause it's it's a bit of a quiet loud quiet song as a whole so you've got claustrophobic crunching guitars and then it switches to this huge soundscape with this lyric of the noises as much as i can bear and just really raw visceral vocal performance from her I love yeah it. if you're listening to that on a cd player or something and um you're not minding your own business thinking the album's finished and then that kicks in it's uh that'll make you kind of shoot coffee out your nose well, it makes me want to dance around whatever room I'm in and also kick things heavily. Bosh <laughs> pit style. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love it. It's a great way to finish the album. I just wish they hadn't made it a secret track. I wish it just went straight. Kept like maybe a brief pause at the end of We Float and then into that would have been perfect. But, you know, record companies back then always wanted to stick hidden tracks in, in albums. It's just ridiculous. 
So that's the album. Have you seen it performed? Have you seen tracks live? I have a confession to make. I, I was at, I think, Reading Festival when she performed. And I know I saw her perform, but I think I was too shit-faced to really take it in and remember, <laughs> which I'm gutted about. Um, yeah, I, I do have vague recollections of being blown away by it, but I think it was one of those... I think it was. it might actually be the festival performance where I realized that I didn't like getting really, really drunk at festivals yeah. because I can get blackout drunk anywhere I want, right? I can do that in my own home. If I'm at a <laughs> festival, I'm there to see the music as much as anything. And, and having beers and having that buzz going on always makes the atmosphere really great at a festival. But ultimately, I want to be able to remember those huge performances. And so I think that was, for me, a moment where I learned a lesson of don't get too drunk because you want to enjoy this shit get drunk after the headliners are done <laughs> yeah it's it's a lesson that you see people learning the hard way kind of at 11 o'clock the next morning when someone's face down in some mud somewhere and you just think yeah buddy you've uh, you pushed too hard those hard nights you you get to an indoor stage and there's somebody passed out in the corner <laughs> you're like i don't know if you just passed out there last night or whether you've dragged yourself out of your tent and then passed out here ready for the first performance of the day yeah fun times no I've, I've never seen it so i can't comment on uh, on live performances i think the biggest issue is that you probably got some of her best ever live performances were i think it was maybe reading festival but it would have been mid 90s for that performance the, the cat suit performance that everyone who is a pj harvey fan will be aware of and so i think those really raw visceral performances would have been in those early days when I wasn't even going to going to gigs or festivals at that point. And I think if you were to go and see her, particularly in the later days, so she had a thing with white chalk where she'd perform in big white flowing Victorian ball gowns and things yeah. like that, which her Kate Bush face. Bit, yeah. Bit Kate Bushy and a bit pretentious uh, and maybe not as, jumping up and down and exciting as as some of her earlier performances anyway yeah uh, but yeah i would still i'd obviously love to go and see her live um particularly if she was doing if she did like a 25th anniversary tour of stories i would book tickets immediately yeah. no matter what and and go and see that i i think that's that's often part of the problem of not seeing an artist at a point in time when they've been recording the albums that you love the most is that you never get that chance to really see the majority of the songs being from the album yeah because they're always moving beyond that yeah well there are so many bands like that who i could rattle off as damn it could have seen them but yeah i think one of the things with pj is that probably her stuff and skunk and Nancy and the cranberries really started to bring in female-led female vocal music into my into the sphere of tastes that i had and start to teach me that there was a whole range of stuff that i was missing out on if i wasn't paying attention to that yeah bands like um so so liz fair was kind of in the on the grunge scene and i she passed me by until recently and i went back to listen to her music and yeah i've I've missed a lot of that stuff from the 90s which is awesome so yeah <laughs> <laughs> i think i think part of it is, is the fact that back then 
you either had to have friends who had those albums and bootlegged you a copy or you had to have the money to buy that specific album and if it was 10 quid a pop for an album wasn't like you had hundreds of pounds or at least I didn't have hundreds of pounds I was spending birthday money doing a paper round where I'd be you know saving up week after week to buy things you you just you couldn't get the quantity of music that you can get now and so part of the fun is going back and listening to the shit that we missed out on back then yeah I've got many albums which I I would quite happily trawl through some fairly mediocre music just because I had I bought it that was my album of the month that's what I all I could play so I'm gonna listen to it yeah I, I I need to I need to properly listen to stories. That's, That's my homework. homework is to is to get into get into that album and the next time we record I want to know that you've you've put several hours of listening time against it. Done. Sold. I will check. All right. All right. <laughs> I'll, I'll 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 do that. Nice one. All right. So thank you for listening. We are at I might be wrong UK on Twitter. We're on Facebook under the same handle. Uh, you can message either of us directly on Facebook if you really want. Uh, it's always great to hear from you guys, hear your thoughts on the albums that we're talking about. We will be back soon. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of I Might Be Wrong.